with Ryan Reese from Southern California. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Yep, another Saturday night, and I have a special guest in the studio. So I want to thank everyone for joining us at Live with Ryan Reese. I got my good friend Sean McKeon, co-host, hanging out. What's going on, guys? Great to be here. And uh, we got one of our very good friends, Christina. How do you say her last name? Boudreaux. 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 I don't want to mess it up. I always mess up names. <laughs> Even when people call in, it'll say Michael and I'll say Michelle. I'm just, I got that fifth grade reading level, you know? Yep. But uh, tonight, you guys, if you tuned in, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. Um, she has a, a crazy life uh, going through um, suicide, same-sex attraction, eating disorders, depression, uh, possibly, uh, you know, she almost got a chance, not a chance, but almost went to a juvie hall. But I want to talk to her about her story and take you guys on this journey because there's a lot of people that are actually um, dealing with this stuff right now. Um, eating disorders and, and self-harm, uh, you know, or cutting, suicide, suicidal thoughts, same-sex attraction. All these different things are so wrapped up and immersed in culture right now. I mean, you know what's so crazy, Sean, is that, uh, you know, I don't know if you've, remember this but at calvary chapel diamond bar when i was speaking about the whole transgender thing with um uh, with jenner right um, caitlin jenner right and i was saying okay so now this whole big deal first it was homosexuality you know everyone's going big on this whole homosexuality thing and then which is a very small percentage in culture mm-hmm. you know i think it's like three or four percent i don't quote me on that but it's right. very small right. but everyone's making this huge deal then next thing it was transgenders you know let's make this huge deal and how big is the transgender community? Right. It's small. Right. You know, they need help. But I mean, it's, it's a very small thing. But then when I was talking about this stuff at one of the shine nights in Diamond Bar, I was saying, what's next? Pedophiles. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about pedophiles. You know, I was born this way. Transgenders are saying they were born this way. Homosexuals are saying they're born this way. And next is going to be pedophiles. And then next after that, it's going to be like, I like having sex with animals. Right. Bestiality. Right. I was born this way. What's so interesting in the news a couple days ago, now there is, I saw actually a couple days ago, there was this article that said, you know, what if you're bisexual? Like, what does that mean? If you're, so you're, you're half homosexual and you're half straight. And then in the news today, it came out um, in this, this one news channel. I don't want to release the, you know, the The source, the source, but it was this news channel um, talking about there's this new group of pedophiles that are coming together and they're saying that they were born this way. Mm-hmm. So now they're going to the court system to see if they could get the rights because they were born this way. Yeah. Is that insane? Well, we're living in a crazy culture for sure. And this is kind of like the slippery slope that comes down with all this kind of mentality and philosophy. Now, when you give people the, the chance to redefine everything, definitions change and when definitions change of stuff it's going to be up into uh, interpretation and people are all going to go by feeling and what feels best for them i know uh, one thing as we get into christina's story as i was reading through some of her bio was like you know the break from finding her identity apart from just her sexual identity yeah because a lot of people are trying to find themselves in and this kind of lifestyle this kind of lifestyle and that's who i am and right now, everything's so trendy. People are bouncing all over the place. People are getting inundated with so much information and so much sex drenched. The society's so sex drenched. It's confusing. 
Very know? confusing. It, it's really tough. Have you seen the new Doritos? My dad yep. posted a photo of the Doritos, and it's actually white packaging mm-hmm. with um, rainbow. rainbow. It's rainbow chips. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's insane. So I'm just glad we have Christina uh, in the studio because she's actually going to get to speak life into this whole situation. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is Live with Ryan Reese. Um, we're going to be hitting a lot of heavy subjects uh, today. So I guess, Christina... Mm-hmm. First of all, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. It's about time we try to get the show going uh, for months. Yeah, but we've been we've been jam packed here with a lot of different other interviews. But um, this is something that's definitely needed. Let's just start at the beginning. Where did mm-hmm. you even grow up? Um, so I grew up in Riverside, okay. and um, I grew up in an environment, you know, where there was a lot of uh, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, um, emotional and physical abuse, and you know, when I went to school, there was a lot of bullying, you know, and mm-hmm. so I grew up with a mentality of you know, I'm treated like trash, and so I must be trash. And I would, I was always on the outside looking in, and I didn't know what it meant to be treated with value or what it meant to be even treated like a normal human being. So Why, why were you getting bullied? Because there's a lot of kids that are actually mm-hmm. getting bullied. They're actually posting photos online. Mm-hmm. Because they're getting bullied, they're starting to cut and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. there's pa- a lot of parents that are listening to this stuff. Yeah. Let's get these parents hearing like what's going on in the side in the mind of the of the kid that's going through this stuff because a lot of kids parents don't understand what their kids are going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important, you know, when with parents, um, you know, as they're raising their children to really instill confidence in them. You know, not a confidence that comes from you know their accomplishments or their outer appearance, but a co- but a confidence that comes from God. Mm-hmm. And you know, growing up, my uh, my value was always in my in the eyes of people around me was always based upon how well I performed, my outdoor appearance, um, the people I hung out with. And so growing up, you know, like I was my dad's a really big guy. My dad's six, mm-hmm. four. And um, I was like five, nine in a size 12 in the fourth grade. So that mm-hmm. alone, you know, I was called like Bigfoot and Sasquatch and mm-hmm. was called names. Good times. My, my wife is my wife's super tall too. She's five nine. Are you yeah. five nine too. Five, nine. Yeah, I'm five ten now. Five, ten. They, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got my wife by one inch. She she actually they used to call her names as well. Yeah. So um, you know, and your parents are they're, are they from India? Or are they? Uh, my mom's East Indian and from Malaysia, mm-hmm. and my dad is French Canadian, and he's from the East Coast. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So you, you were raised out here. So now, when you were going through this stuff, what what like? Why people are saying stuff up to you? How did you did you start acting out on this? Did did you get into cutting or anything like that? Or yeah, so you know, um, starting off in elementary school, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think if you're told long enough, you know that you're nothing and you're beaten and cussed at and and abused, that you don't you start to believe what's what's being done to you. And so I grew up, you know, I was a very angry child, a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness. And so a lot of the anger and bitterness is going to manifest itself in a certain way, you know? And so I started acting out and in the fifth grade, um, I committed a couple felonies at school and my vice principal sat me down and he was like, you're going to be going to juvie hall for this X amount of time. And so you better own up to what you did because either way you're going to go. And it was my principal that actually stepped in and they um, put me through a a series of intensive counseling. And so I had two options. Mm -hmm. And so they put me through counseling. And so just that was evidence of just the brokenness and the anger. Um, You know, I was dressing like a boy, you know, I was just had a super hard outer shell. I had so many walls up in my life. And so um, I really didn't let anyone in. Why did you get into dressing like a boy? Um, You know, a lot of I think it was a way to 
because of the I had two pe- women in my life, you know, that had um, abused me. Mm-hmm. And so I was really hardened towards anything feminine, anything. Um, yeah, just women in general. I what, hated was women. This, was wow. this when you were being abused? Are you talking about like hit around or are you talking about sexual abuse? Um like the two people that had abused me, mm-hmm. it was um, sexual abuse and mm-hmm. it was physical and verbal and emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. And so automatically I just became very hardened and I hated the girls at school. I was always hanging out with the boys mm-hmm. and the boys were just easy to hang out with. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't care about what you looked like, what you wore. They wanted me on their basketball team because I was tall and yeah. they wanted me to be goalie <laughs> in soccer because yeah. I was tall. Uh-huh. And so it was just easy to hang out with them and to identify as a boy growing up. I, I ask you that because we, you know, Sean and I both have a friend that actually around that age was growing up and he was being um, molested, molested, sexually abused yeah. by men, by boys. Yeah. By men. From five years old to 11 years old. Wow. And, and that, you know, was a number of different things that happened to him that led him into, you know, going to the homosexual lifestyle and stuff wow. like that. So that's why I ask you. So you, mm-hmm. you, these things were happening to you at a young age from yes. from girls. You're dressing like a boy at this point. Mm-hmm. You don't want nothing to do with girls. Mm-hmm. So you're basically going down the line of like, of a of a lesbian. Yes. You're mm-hmm. on the you're on that you're on the track. Yeah. And then what what happened in in sixth grade? Something happened to you in sixth grade. Just... Um. Yeah. So in sixth grade, you know, um, I think everyone tries to cope with their pain in some way. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, I thought that, you know, because I was being so bullied at school by boys and because of the abuse, you know, constantly being told I wasn't good enough. And so, you know, one day I just started starving myself and I started um, taking like pills and laxatives. And mm-hmm. so I developed anorexia in the sixth grade Damn. to really as a way to seek approval from others, because I thought that if I were thin, then I would be accepted and loved and validated by people. And sadly, no matter how thin I got, it was never good enough. And so. that's that's a huge thing, actually, mm-hmm. in, in today's cultures, because yeah. everything you see on TV, anywhere you go, it's, it's sex, it's thin. You know, there's if you're not like this, you're not perfect. I mean, I I can't tell you how many. I mean, I I'm on Instagram, you know, and I follow a lot of different people, and I've, a lot of people that follow me. So as I'm digging through their websites, I see a lot of these um, guys and girls, and a lot of these younger high school girls or even other girls. They're posting pictures of themselves and what they're saying is they're skinny, but they're like, I hate myself. I'm fat. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then below it, there's a couple cutting photos or it's the, all that self image. Yeah. And, you know, speak into this. So you're, you're, you're younger, you're, you're mm-hmm. dealing with self image right now. Yeah. So you figure the way to fix it, mm-hmm. I'm going to starve myself. I'm going to eat laxatives. I'm going to basically shred the weight, mm-hmm. but nothing was ever good enough. I mean, were you getting super skinny at this point? Yeah, you know, I originally I'm I have like a Samoan type figure, you know, so mm-hmm. even like the smallest for me was like a size eight, which most girls at that age were like a size zero or two. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I was a competitive athlete, like I did club swimming. So I was working out two hours a day, five right. days a week on top of all of this. And so even for me, I realized that I couldn't fix something on the inside by trying to starve something on the outside, the outside you yeah. know, and so my anorexia was just an outward reflection of the hunger I had inside of me for love and affirmation and acceptance. And that's really what a lot of these girls are looking for is for someone to love them from the inside out. And the only person that could do that is Jesus. Yeah. It yeah. can't be from trying to achieve an outer image. Mm. So so anorexia is, pr- is pretty much where you're not eating. And then mm-hmm. you got into bulimia. Yes. That's where you're actually purging. You're throwing up. Yeah. So that was um, in the eighth grade because for me, you know, I did, you know, just a lot of drugs and stuff, you know, in the seventh grade to get thin. And 
I was so hungry at that point, you know, just for like love and had was not eating any type of carbs. And I heard one day that if you stuck your finger down your throat, then your food would come up. And so how an alcoholic will often go and binge drink and get wasted, I would do that where I would go home and five to six to seven or eight times a day, I would eat all this food and go in the bathroom and throw it up because it was a release for me from the pain and the abuse and the hunger I had inside of me, you know, for acceptance. And so that's often it honestly at that point was not about the food or wanting to be thin. I think it was just a release and a way to cope. So where, now, mm-hmm. what, what do you mean by that exactly? How, how, how is that a release and how do you cope with that just for people that are listening? Yeah. So, um, you know, oftentimes, you know, when people, you know, we're going to talk about self-harm in a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, but, um, you know, when people get high, mm-hmm. it's like they just are able to escape for a moment. Right. You know, when people cut themselves, it releases endorphins and they get high for a moment. Oh. And so when I threw up my food like that, because my life was so out of control in mm-hmm. that moment, I was in control. Got it. And so it brought, but really I was out, out, of, out of control out of in control. general. Yeah. But you think. And I've that, heard that so much about mm-hmm. people f- uh, saying that that's actually the reason because er- their life is out of control, but that is the one thing that they control, whether it's pain or what, you know, what you're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. If you guys are tuning in right now, this is live with Ryan Reese. And we got Christina Boudreau in the studio. Did I say that right? Or almost right? Boudreau. I'm trying to stumble. Boudreau. 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 Okay. Boudreau. <laughs> now, you okay. messed me up, Brian, because I had it. Yeah. So continue on, guys. <laughs> okay. So so you're basically getting into anorexia around fifth grade and then bulimia by eighth grade. Yes. So what was the what was the next step of this life? I mean, this is not good. You're not mm-hmm. healthy. You're able to play sports. Mm-hmm. You're eating, but then you're purging. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're dressing like a boy. Mm-hmm. You still don't want anything to do with girls because your past life with, with abuse, mm-hmm. sexual and, and other verbal and stuff. Abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, what's going on here in, in, uh, by the time you get to uh, high school? Um, so in the 10th grade, you know, like by that time I was, you know, drinking two or three pots of coffee a day, throwing up my food between five and eight times a day. I was so depressed, you know, I was seeing a counselor at the time, but nothing was working. Mm-hmm. And I was such a huge perfectionist. And that's a lot of a root cause of a lot of people with eating disorders is that they are trying to achieve some type of perfection. But no matter what they do, it's never enough because it's like a mirror that's never satisfied. Yeah. And so by the time the 10th grade rolls around, um, there was one night, you know, that I had mixed together a bottle of OxyClean and soft scrub. And I just thought that if I were to drink this bottle, you know, of just all these chemicals that it would somehow kill me because I was that done with life. And I remember that night, you know, I had a ghetto flip phone. I actually had a ghetto flip phone up until a couple months ago. (laughs) But um, I remember, you know, mixing it together. And the moment I held that bottle to my mouth, I got a phone call on my phone and it said no number. And usually at that time, and it was midnight too. And the next day I asked all my friends, like, did you call me? And they were like, no, we didn't. And so... That night, you know, I I believe that it was God intervening, like Mm -hmm. maybe sending someone to call me or whatever it was. But that to me that night was a huge, you know, realization that God was like, Christina, I hear your pain and I don't want you to do this. So when you were in your room, did you did you have this conversation? Did you call it to God or what was what was the process after this? Um, You know, after that phone call, Mm -hmm. um, for me, you know, I just kind of took that as like, oh, what at the time I was like, oh, whatever, like, mm-hmm. I guess you don't want me to go. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until actually a couple, um, I think it was a few weeks later that I got home one day and after um, like a suicide attempt, I was 5150 and taken to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I was taken to um, 
I think it was a hospital in Riverside and by the cops. And um, it was then, you know, that they evaluated me for psychiatric treatment. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, I ended up going to rehab at Loma Linda Hospital Mm -hmm. for my eating disorder. So what was what was the next step of you uh, getting out of there and and moving on with your life? Because you're at this point, there's no God in your life. Mm hmm. God used someone to call you. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I mean, yeah. could line could have just rang, God mm-hmm. just called. Yeah. You know, um, what what was the next step? I mean, you're 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 pretty much your life's out of control. You mm-hmm. want to commit suicide. You're now you're out of a mental institution. What what happened next? Yeah. So you know, even like throughout all that time, you know, I grew up going like to church. You know, like I was. So in you church. were going to church. A little yes, okay. I was. But I think at the time. Um, a lot of these issues weren't as prevalent as they were now. And so the church didn't know how to address them. Mm-hmm. I had an awesome youth leader at the time, but even him and his wife were like, this is a lot for us. So you got to actually go and, and, and meet with this guy and tell him, mm-hmm. this is what I'm going through. Yeah. Because a lot of, and I want to talk a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. A lot of um, people that we met with, they've said they've gone to their youth pastors or different people and they don't know. Cause a lot of these youth pastors and people that are in church, they've never They've never dealt with this stuff, yeah. you know, and, and thank God they have it, you know, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to deal with this stuff. Yeah. So they're just like, we don't know how to even deal with these kids. What do we do? Yeah. And that sounds like what happened. So what, mm-hmm. what was the process? What what would they say? Um, I think a lot of it for them, you know, was, you know, I got plugged into a small group. Mm-hmm. But even in the small group, you know, they they did they positioned me for all the right things, you know, like getting like you know, reading God's word and praying and a lot of these things. Um, And God's word, you know, later on my story brought so much healing to my mind in the process of renewing my mind. Yep. But at the time, you know, my youth leaders, even in high school, were just coming out of high school, you know, the leader of my small group. And so they didn't even know how to deal with it. And so unfortunately, the help wasn't there that I even needed on how to deal with to go through counseling Mm -hmm. at the church. So. I know, like, when you're in that situation, that, that one verse that you said, the renewing of my mind daily. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you're listening and you're going through any of this stuff, that's all it is. Yeah. It's literally being plugged in. Mm-hmm. And even if you're a youth pastor and you've never been through this stuff, all it is is, like, you just need to love on these people. Yes. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that show up at Shine and I'm, I'm, I'm actually drunk or I'm high or I, I smoked a, a, a blunt in the parking lot or, you know, I'm dealing with this and I'm like, just keep coming to shine. I love you. I'm not judging you. God loves you. Just keep learning about God and just staying plugged in, reading, staying in the scriptures, listening to worship, praying, and God over time starts healing. But if you're not, if you're show up in church and you're like, this is what I'm dealing with, and they go, uh, I don't know what to do, mm-hmm. then you just like, okay, I'm ho- help us. But it's Jesus. Yes. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. And that's it. He's the one. He's the truth. All that stuff that's going on in your head, maybe you're driving down the street right now, and maybe you're going through this stuff. Jesus is the way. He is the way to God. He is the truth. When you learn about him, he will set you free. It said that Jesus, whoever the Son of God, Jesus Christ, sets free is free indeed. But you have to stay plugged in. Mm-hmm. If you are not plugged into the sources, like if my dad told me, Ryan, what happens if you don't charge your cell phone? Well, just a matter of time, that thing's going to be dying. It's going to be useless. Well, if we're not plugged into Jesus Christ, that source, he keeps us charged up. He he keeps us working. He keeps us, you know, working. But if we aren't plugged in, the phone dies just like our spirit. If we're not, we're not plugging our spirit into the source of the word of God, our, our our guard comes down and Satan comes in and has a field day with us. Absolutely. So it's all about yeah. it's all about being plugged in. Mm-hmm. So what what was the um what the next step? So these guys are loving on you. They're telling you what to do. But what happens? 
Yeah. So, you know, even after I went to rehab, it's almost like someone giving you all the tools on how to build a house, but you don't take those tools and apply them, you know, on how to build the house. And so that's what happened when I was in rehab. Um, All my counselors, you know, my parents actually had to refinance their house to send me. And they just kept saying, Christina, we're seeing the eating disorder, but there's a lot of underlying issues that we're not getting to. Mm -hmm. And so... You is know, this a Christian rehab or is it just a um, Loma Linda, it was like – it's Seventh-day Adventist, so it's faith-based but not biblical, you yeah. know, in everything they do. So they talked about God. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just didn't point me in the most effective direction. And so even exiting rehab, you know, I was in a structured environment and I went downhill ten times harder when I exited. And that summer, you know, going into my um, senior year of high school was when I picked up a razor and I bent it up and I probably – yeah, I cut up my arms and my legs so deep that those scars um, lasted for four years. Okay. Uh, because I think with everyone, you know, when, when whether it's they people might go to the first drug and when that doesn't give them the high, they go to the next drug. And so for me, I was just picking up anything that I could to release the pain. Where, where, where like, where are these thoughts mm-hmm. coming to your mind? How how how, you, how are you thinking about? I want to cut myself, or I want to purge. I mean, there has to, is this like. Are you hearing voices? Are you seeing stuff on TV? Where is this influence coming from? Because it's not like someone just walks home and goes, I'm going to get a razor and just cut myself. Yeah. It's some They picked it up along the way or, or yeah. heard someone or something. Yeah, I think when you, know, when you start believing the lies of the enemy that tell you that you're nothing and yeah. you're trash and you're worthless, then you will start treating yourself the way that other people have treated you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for me, I remember when I was in rehab, I saw a girl one day who walked into rehab, you know, with bandages around her arm. And someone said that she had hurt herself, but I was never taught how to self-harm. Right. So a lot of that for me, like, honestly, during that time, I had a lot of oppression upon my life, you know, a lot of spiritual oppression from the enemy. And so that day I literally bent up a four blade razor and completely when I tore my arms and legs, the sad part was, is that when I was in the shower and I saw the blood running down the drain, the, the emotional paid the, the emotional pain outweighed the physical pain and I didn't even like, yeah, yeah I didn't even wow, feel it. Crazy. And that's often what happens with these young people when they deal with self-harm is that when they hurt themselves, the pain that they're going through inside of their hearts is like double or triple the physical pain they might be feeling at the time when they hurt themselves. Yeah, I've, I've had someone come up to me and tell me, because I've asked many people that I talk to about cutting and I would say, so when you cut, what happens exactly? Like, why? And they're saying, well, there's so much pain that's going on that I'm feeling mentally that sometimes I, I, sometimes I can't even feel. So sometimes, I could, sometimes the only pain, if I cut myself, I could feel something yes. sometimes. Mm-hmm. So because so, they have so much pain that that's the only thing they could feel sometimes. Or mm-hmm. in your case, there's so much pain, you don't even feel that. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that. Well, like, like you're saying, it's too, it's like the emotional part of it is what hurts so much. You know, from the beginning of her telling her story uh, here tonight, she starts off by saying not feeling valued. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when somebody doesn't feel valued and they feel like trash, like, like Christina has been saying, man, you just take so much and you're trying to mass all that emotion. You're trying to deal with it yourself. And it also sounds like as she because this is her whole life. I mean, this happened when she was a young girl all the way up. Now we're in the part of her coming out of high school in 12th grade. And this is still something that she's battling with. You know, a lot of people and many people that are out there right now maybe find themselves in a place right now where they don't see any way out. So you're like, I'm always going to feel this way. I'm always going to feel like I'm less than 
you know? So it's almost like you can fall in a mode of self-destruction as well. You're just like, whatever it is, it's cutting, it's this. You, I don't know if during that time you had lapses where things were good for a little bit, and then you kind of go back into it, and it's like a horrible like roller coaster going back and forth and no stability. Did you ever have any, like, cl- did you ever think clear? Did you ever see the light, or was this just? Definitely, I think through, you know, from junior, I think when I, when I, when I developed anorexia in the sixth grade, mm-hmm. you know, and going all throughout high school, I never saw the light yeah. at the end of the tunnel. Like, I knew God was there, and I believe that the whole time that God was like, Christina, like, you're going to go through it, and I'm going to go through it with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even leading up until, you know, my senior year of high school, you know, like, that night was a pivotal night for me because it was that night that I told God that I felt like a, a ship, you know, that who had, whose sails were torn and whose mm-hmm. wood was chipping, and I was like, God, I, I have no fight left in me. Mm-hmm. Barely made it through high school. I'm not going to make it through college. And on that night, I told God, like, I'm going to die like somehow I'm either going to kill myself or you're going to have to heal me because I can't do it anymore. I had failed rehab, had read all the books, had done everything that I could do. And it was that night, you know, that, um, you know, I had cut myself and I felt the presence of God reach down and, and touch my life. And he literally like spoke into my heart and he said, Christina, like I made like my scars were made beautiful on the cross and I'm going to make your scars beautiful tonight, your emotional scars and physical scars and your, the, the, the scars from your abuse. And, um, and he's like, together, we're going to bear these scars, you know? And it was that night that he radically healed me of seven years of anorexia and bulimia. Mm -hmm. And from that night forth, I never threw up my food and I never starved myself again. And so that's why I'm a firm believer that God heals not only physical things and addictions, but also mental illness. Mental, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. And what, what year was this? That this was in two thousand and this is two thousand and seven. Two thousand and seven. Because I graduated high school in two thousand and eight. Okay, so what happened between two thousand and seven and two thousand twelve? Because I know you know mm-hmm. it, it went down again. Something yeah. happened in two thousand twelve. What? Yeah. What was going on during that window? What? What was happening? Yeah. So, you know, during that time, like definitely my first year of, of college, you know, that God really began the process of renewing my mind. And I literally would sit in the library at my school campus and read like 20 chapters of the Bible mm-hmm. because I literally had to soak my mind in truth because it Absolutely. had been filled with lies for so long. And during that time, you know, God, I think, redeemed the years that I had lost from my eating disorder. You know, like I was involved in church. I was um, just freedom was a huge thing in my life. But, you know, if you were to look at a tree, like a tree has, you know, there's an actual tree, but then there's a root system of the tree, you know, Mm -hmm. and that root system of my, the tree of my life was filled with, still filled with the bitterness and the anger and all the hurt from the abuse. And so it was in 2012 that um, one day I was sitting with a couple of my counselors and they began to talk to with me about the abuse from my past. And when you suppress things for so long, it's eventually going to come out. Mm And so it was one night in 2012 after four years that I relapsed with cutting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's – and then – so you're with these counselors. They're talking about it and they bring it up. Yeah. So like what what actually made you relapse? Like what – it was just thinking about like every all the all the past stuff. I mean was, was God working at that time? Because I know there's a lot of people that deal with bitterness and, and all mm-hmm. these different things and they, they suppress it. They yeah. suppress it. So how – how, what was the next step? Like that stuff just came out and you just said, dude, I'm going to start cutting myself. I'm thinking about suicide. The enemy just kind of had a, a field day. Yeah. And 
it's almost like, you know, on the outside, like everyone saw this this girl that had it all together. But inside, you know, my heart, you know, like the Bible talks about, like I was like the hardened soil, you know, mm-hmm. that was filled with rocks and weeds and all this stuff. And almost, you know, like usually people can see the warning signs of a storm before it happens. And yeah. I believe that during all those years, there would be times that I would have outbursts of anger and, you know, like cussing and all this stuff. And people saw that and they would be like, dude, what's up with you? Like, Mm -hmm. calm down. You know, during that time, the verbal and emotional abuse was still going on in my life. And so if you stuff down pain. So while you're walking with God. Yeah. From from 2007 to 2012, Mm -hmm. you still have verbal abuse and things happening around you. Mm -hmm. But God's healed you from the eating disorders, the eating disorders and stuff. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're still so this stuff is still happening. Yeah. Okay, got it. And so I think there came a point where you know I would go to healthy things to cope, mm-hmm. but that year, like I was going to have spiritual like cardiac arrest unless mm-hmm. I allowed God to heal my heart. That was so clogged with all this stuff, and so it was actually a four hour conversation that I had with a couple of my mentors. You know that really just addressing all these issues in my life that I hadn't talked about. You know, I had never addressed the issue of sexual abuse. I knew it was there. I never wanted to acknowledge that it was verbal abuse or emotional abuse because all I had ever known my whole life was being treated, you know, like yeah. like dirt. And so when someone comes in like my mentors and say, says, dude, that's not who you are. And it finally made me realize like, wow, like all of this undigested pain like came to the surface. And when it's so painful and you don't know how to cope, that's what I picked up for the first time in four years was a razor. Yeah, you know what? That I, mm-hmm. I agree. We only got a couple uh, couple seconds left before we go to break. But if you tuned in, we have uh, Christina Boudreaux. Boudreaux in here where she's talking about just um, the craziness of, of growing up, um, dealing with um, self-harm, suicide, at a young age, bulimia, cutting. Uh, we'll be back after the break to wrap up her story. More live with Ryan Reese coming up. Is everything all right? Call now. 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop-de-doo. Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say what I warn you. Right on, right on. We're back. I have uh, my good friend uh, Christina in the studio. We've been talking about just her uh, growing up and, and dealing with um, abuse, sexual abuse at a young age, uh, hating on guys, basically started dress or hating on girls and started dressing like a guy and then got into uh, bulimia and um, anorexia. It's just really caught up in self-image, which led to cutting and then to suicide and uh, receiving a call when she was about to commit suicide. It was actually a crank call. However, God worked in that situation. He works in mysterious ways. She didn't end up taking her life, but then she got wrapped up and, and got sent to a mental institution as well. And uh, then she ended up getting clean for about, let's see, from 2000, uh, 2007 to 2012. And where we left off is she basically um, had a little relapse and pulled the razor out. But before we get back into that whole story, we got a few announcements we want to go through really quick. Yeah, like always, guys, it's just amazing what God's doing on the, the radio program over on 42 stations right now, over 13 states. 
You can always watch live at ryan-reese.com. And also, I'd encourage you to go to all the podcasts. We started in February. I can't believe it. So there's tons of podcasts. You can go through all the shows. You can go to ryanreese.com and get all of see all of the radio programs and also his Shane, uh, Shine things as well. You know, Ryan teaches at Shine in two locations for the local listeners here in Southern California. On Thursday nights, always at 7 p.m. at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa at the Karis Building. And on Sunday nights at 6 p.m. at Calvary Chapel Golden Springs, which is in Diamond Bar. And for those that aren't local, you can watch both of those things live on the Internet as well. So, so a lot of things taking place. But as always, you know, Ryan and these guys have a heart and vision to go into the high school uh, with a Kill the Noise tour. So if you're a part of a school, whether you're a teacher, a student, whatever, you want them to come, make sure that you email at info at ryanreese.com. You believe in the movement of the whosoever is what God's doing through this. You can go to ryanreese.com to donate to the cons. And I think that's just about it. Let's get back into your yeah, story, man. Just um, even just talking about the high schools yeah. and even hearing the story of Christina in here. There's so many there's kids that need. are go- there's so many kids that are going through this stuff. It's For ridiculous. Sure. I mean, what, I mean, our whole deal with the movement is to to reach the the youth, mm-hmm. and uh, we know because the people that are going to reach them, we've all been through this stuff. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking to these kids about the stuff that we've been through, they just open up, you know, mm-hmm. and and we have the uh, truth, which is Jesus. So speaking of Jesus, you know, the next thirty minutes, I want to really talk about how Jesus actually brought you through this, mm-hmm. and um, what He's doing currently in your life. But before we get there, we're in 2012, and you pulled a razor out, and you're ready. You're having a relapse, and you're ready to cut yourself. What happens? So, um, you know that that first night, you know, I obviously, you know, I I cut myself, and that began a full year. It's actually my fourth year of college. I ended up staying a fifth year at my college to make up for what happened during my fourth year. But that whole year, I pretty much had you know between a dozen you know gnarly cutting episodes and just deep depression, you know, and, um, I pretty much saw my whole life fall apart that year. And it was during that year, you know, even in the midst of that, that God began to heal my heart, began to pull out the weeds, you know, of the bitterness and the abuse and, um, did some deep heart surgery on me spiritually because my heart was not able to love others or to receive love from other people. And so pretty much all the 22 years of abuse I have faced, Mm -hmm. God began to weed out all of that brokenness from my life and began to piece me back together. Because you could, it's it's funny that you said that because you can have God heal you of your anorexia, bulimia, drugs, you know, any of that stuff. But if your heart is not healed, mm-hmm. the uh, what is it called? The bitterness, mm-hmm. the unforgiveness, all that stuff. You're still a mess. Mm-hmm. You're still a mess, and I, I had to deal with that stuff as well. Yeah. So what was the process? So you're walking with God. You're. Mm-hmm. you're what was the process of, of getting healing? Because I know when I was asking for healing of, of bitterness and mm-hmm. and unforgiveness and these things, I would be warring in mm-hmm. my room. God, take this away, mm-hmm. and 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 He would remove it. It seems like I'd be set free for a while. And then I'd see someone or something would happen and he would come back and I'd have to pray again. It was like this continual praying for God to remove this stuff. It wasn't like just overnight. Yeah. How did it work in your life? You know, so, um, you know, if you were to look at, you know, even the layers of soil, you know, when people garden, there's also layers, you know, like even spiritually, you know, in our heart. And sometimes wounds go deeper, you know, in certain areas than other areas. And so. 
you know, I had a lot of wounds in my life that I had just put bandages over those areas. And so slowly, one by one, God began to remove a bandage and heal that. But even medically, you know, doctors say that you need to allow a wound to bleed in order for it to be healed. And so a lot of it for me was just kind of purging that pain by journaling, by reading God's word, by literally just playing worship music in my room for an hour and just crying and weeping and wailing. Because if I didn't allow my pain to bleed that way, I would have picked up a razor and I would have hurt myself. And so a lot of my days I would go out paddleboarding or surfing and just spending time with God and allowing the doctor, you know, of the universe to do what he does best and to heal those places. It's just it's just sitting and and waiting. Well, I think the way God works in all of our lives, we've all, all been there before. It's like for God to go deep into our lives, like we got to get along with God. Like, yeah. I mean, all the way through the Bible, you go through with Abraham, you go through Moses, you go through Paul, even Paul, when he had his uh, crazy transformation, he was away in Arabia for three years alone where God was dealing with him. You know, God was dealing with you, Ryan. God was dealing with me and dealing with Christina as well. For a and year. For, I, yeah, I was, a long I was just, time. I was, in, I was in church six days a week, reading the Bible when I was at home, burning through the Bible and listening to Chuck Smithies. And then on my off time, I was skating and surfing. Right. And I did that for a year straight, like yeah. away with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you need to, too, because that's the thing that it comes down to. That's an amazing thing about a relationship with God. Some people hear that a relationship with God and it can start sounding like cliche. But, man, it's powerful. And it's meaningful. The God of the universe wants to have a personal relationship with you. He knows everything about you. And one thing with a, with a girl like Christina, she's had to have her guard up for so many years, you know, and all the stuff that she's gone through to really let those walls come down and really trust because a relationship with God is based on trust. And when you really get to know someone, that's how you're able to trust that person. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure one of the big th- factors of your life was coming to know like unconditional love, like in the Lord, right? Yes. Everybody wants to feel loved. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole world around us, you know, people want to be loved. Social media is an example of that. Everybody wants to be heard. You know, I know a lot of people say, well, people don't like to communicate. They have their earphones in their head. all. But in reality, through social media, people want to be here. They want to have communication. There's a dying world out there. I I want to hit on that a little bit Um, because, you know, you you said you got to spend time with Jesus. Mm -hmm. You said it, too, as well. And I I agree. I was at the Zachariah. What's his name? Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zachariah. Right. Zacharias. Zacharias, which is an Indian guy as well. He's an apologist, too. Those are my people. He's one of your people. He came to the Lord by almost committing suicide himself. That's right. 17 years old. That's right. Yep. So I went to go see him the other night, and the subject was how do we reach the culture? Or, you know, in other words, how does uh, God reach you? And and it it could work either way. And I wrote this down, what he said. He says, you got to find your Savior. How did Jesus heal you? You found your Savior. You got to find – then by finding your Savior, you find your calling – what you were made for and how do you find it? You find it through prayer. Mm-hmm. So you got to find your savior. When you find your savior, you'll find your calling, what you were created for. And how do you find it all? It's through prayer mm-hmm. and that's it. And it's spending time alone with Jesus. And if you're going through these hard things in your life, read, pray, just like you spend alone time, be in your room, crying out, whatever. I've told people, people come up and go, man, I'm, I'm mad at God. I got issues with Jesus. And I said, well, dude, if that's the way you feel, I go, why don't you go to your room and go go yell at him? Yell, that attitude that you're coming to me with all your problems with Jesus, go to him. 
God, I'm mad at you because of this happened. I'm mad at you because I got molested. I'm mad at this. And cry out to God. Cry out to him. And ask him to show up. And he will. You got to take that to him. You know, I've, I've been to places in my life. And I want you to actually talk about this where you are in your life. But I've been in my, my life where I've been at my house. And I've been so angry at God. And I'm a, I'm a walking with God. I'm riding right on with God. But I've been so angry at him for some situations that were going on in my life. And I just, I told him, I just basically told him what I felt. And God was faithful to speak to my heart and to, in his timing, work those issues out in my life. Yeah. But um, you got to be real with God. So here you are, you're, you're, you're in your room, you're, you're praying, you're getting real with God. What was the, how'd you come out of this whole, this, this next relapse? Yeah. So, um, you know, during that year, pretty much, you know, if you're to, picture a city I felt like all the buildings in my life kind of fell to the ground you know Mm -hmm. my mental health like my work my school like everything crumbled to the ground and it was actually on my brother's graduation day um this is how selfish and so far gone I was that my brother was going to give his valley victorian speech at school and you know he's at UCLA right now awesome kid and you know when my parents left for his graduation I was going to you know, take some pills at home and hmm. attempt suicide that day. That day that's how far gone I was. And, you know, I had told everyone in my life was just like, Christina, we don't understand. We feel like, you know, that's all you talk about is your story. But even though I had a story with God, I still didn't allow him, like I said, you know, to heal those areas. And so that day, you know, I, I got on my knees and I told God that I was done, that I was done fighting. I felt like I had failed at life. And, you know, and I had the bottle of pills in my hand, and as I held the pills to my mouth, like, the Spirit of God, you know, like, invaded the place that I was, and the Lord just spoke to me, and He just said, live to love me, and live so that I could love you in return. And so I tell people that it was a love of God that saved me, because it was that day understanding that He, that His Spirit was so powerful that He would want to come down and speak to a broken girl that no one saw value in that that's the representation of what he did on a cross to a broken world, that he was the answer. And that day he was the answer in my life. And through that process, like he held my hand and exactly what I did, you know, like Mm -hmm. I no longer was walking down the path of death, but he repositioned me for victory. And we hashed it out every single day until where I am now, like almost three years with no cutting. Right. That's That's awesome. Yeah. And it was that de- it was that desperate prayer. Yeah. You know, my life verse is Second uh, Chronicles sixteen nine. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't say in there at all that it's He's looking for the perfect, for the the mm-hmm. r- most radical, awesome, perfect Christian, mm-hmm. or even the worst Christian. It's yeah. just if you're uh, if you're fully committed to the Lord, mm-hmm. like that desperate prayer that you had at that time. Mm-hmm. So you were about to cut yourself, or you're going to take your life. But you're desperate for the Lord and you were committed like God, like your heart. He saw your heart. Like you're like, save me. And what does he do? He's looking through the whole earth for those people to strengthen their hearts. Yeah. And that's exactly what he did. He showed up. And if you're listening and this story's you know, making sense to you wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, the eyes of the Lord are ranging. It's looking throughout the whole earth to strengthen whose hearts are fully committed. He wants to strengthen you wherever you're at. But you got to get real with him. You got to quit talking the talk. You got to start walking the walk. Jesus doesn't want lip service. He wants your heart. You don't even have to say nothing. Like when I was in my hotel room in Panama, I remember just looking up to the sky in my hotel room and just going in my heart, like, 
crying out, God, God, if you're real, prove that you're real to me. That was that's what my heart was saying. I don't know what my lips were saying. I don't even know if they were even saying anything. <laughs> but uh, I just was saying, prove that you're real. I'm going to follow you. And and that's where he he started that walk. And it's it's been a journey, just like you. I mean, mm-hmm. let's let's keep going on. Um, I mean, and then 2013, a year later. As God's doing inventory, cleaning things up, yeah, he like he always does. After he cleans certain things in your area in your life, he heals different areas. Then he brings to surface the next issue he wants to deal with. Mm-hmm. And what was that next issue in 2013? Um, that next issue in my life was um, God slowly knocking on the door of my heart and and pointing to the skeleton in the back of the closet that I never wanted to address. And it was the issue of same sex attraction, you know, that I had dealt with, you know, from the age of you know, four or five up until now. And, you know, the Lord began to show me like, Christina, you know, you, you dealt with this, you know, because of, you know, the women in your life that had sexually abused you and verbally and physically abused you, that I was so hardened to everything feminine that I was looking to women outside of, you know, my environment. I was looking to women at school or at work, even just someone to nurture me for someone to say, I believe in you. And through that season, God began to show me, what it really meant to be a daughter of God and a woman of God, because those things weren't taught to me. Mm-hmm. And so he began to work in the area of my sexual identity and um, began to restore those areas. Because up until that point, I had never come out to anyone about my sexual mm-hmm. my sexuality, but yet I was always hit on by more chicks in my life than men. Mm-hmm. So I went to God, God, is this who I am? Because mm-hmm. this is the evidence for it. But what I love about God is that you can be honest with him. And what he showed me was that the truth of who I was in him will always override the facts, the facts of the abuse, the facts of these women hitting on me, and that who I am as his child is who I is is what defines me, not what was done to me, and not my struggle. That's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, what in the heck are you doing now? So, um, right now we are, um, you know, my best friend Claire's in the studio with us, and you know, right now we're. Um, we are putting on a series of purity conferences, and we're doing one at the main sanctuary at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, on November 14th. It's going to be a bilingual event, and, you know, we have doors opening up in Argentina and, you know, had another door that op- opened up a couple weeks ago to do a speaking tour at the high schools in Australia. Right. And so God is just—and it's literally just being like, God, can you take the brokenness of my life, mm-hmm. you know, because we're just a bunch of hippie kids using our lunch money to put on these <laughs> events. Mm-hmm. We don't have funding. We don't have all this stuff. But God takes our two loaves of bread and fish that we have, mm-hmm. and he's like, I could use that. And I've been uh-huh. to your events. Yeah. And actually, I showed up to one of them. I've been, I think I've been to one of them. Mm-hmm. And I showed up, and I thought it was going to be this, you know, a smaller thing. I, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't care. I, I, I'll speak in front of two people or whatever. Yeah. But it was. You told me like, <laughs> hey man, we got no money. We're putting this thing on. <laughs> whatever, show up. And uh, I showed up, and it was popping. Yeah. Jam packed. Yeah. There was hundreds, maybe over a thousand kids. I don't know how many, but it was jam packed. Mm-hmm. And all the different speakers you had, the music, everything was sick. And then you, there was even like a group of uh, – then you guys broke out into groups and you guys even talked on like dating, relationships, and just everything. Yeah. It, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Yeah. When you look at the culture around right now, you know, the last couple of years, even things have gone crazy even more. Like where is your heart like with this culture? Where, where do you see the, the desperate need in the young people that you can come in contact with? Yeah, the conversations you've been talking, you know, with mm-hmm. people. Yeah, you know, so um, even right now, like, um, you know, 
I, I'm currently an international plus size model. And so God has allowed me, you know, to kind of see what's going on even in the secular world. Mm-hmm. And to, and because I have that insight, I'm able to kind of be like, okay, like how can we reach people, mm-hmm. you know, in that way? Sure. And a lot of these people, honestly, they're just kind of walking around like a bunch of broken porcelain dolls, you know, yeah. that just need to go to the hand of the Savior to like show them their worth and identity. Everyone has a deeper longing in their heart that they're just numbing with all these different things. Like I was that punk kid. So when I see kids that are gangbanging and with hard outer shells, I'm like, there's actually a little kid inside of there Mm. that's just hungry for love. And that's all like everyone's looking for love in some way now. You know, if a girl's not getting it in a guy, she's going to go to a chick. If a dude's not getting it in a guy, you know, in a chick, he's going to go to another guy. And so everyone's just searching for a love that will satisfy them. Like, you know, God says he's placed eternity in our hearts. They're trying to find that longing that only God can give them. And trying to find an identity. Yeah. You know, I I think a lot. I remember this one thing has always stuck out to me. There's a girl that I knew back in the day. She was a Christian. This is when I wasn't walking with God. But she was a cool influence on my life. I remember like driving in a car with her. And I would like throw in like, oh, like ludicrous or something like that. She'd be like, man, what is this garbage? You know, and take it out. And then she would put in like, you know, some Christian band. And I remember the, I remember saying this like it was yesterday. I was like, oh, man, this is whack. I'm like, I'm like, my mom's a Christian. Like, I'm, I'm down with Christians and everything. But this is the problem. I feel like you lose your individuality. Mm-hmm. I felt who you are. And I like who I am and blah, blah, blah. I remember saying this whole thing mm-hmm. with her. And we got along really good. But, you know, fast forward a couple of years later when God broke me and now where I'm at now, now I realize that finding you who you are, your individuality and your identity, it is really found in Christ. And that's what Jesus says. You want to come after me. You have that desire. Pick up your cross. Follow me. If you try to save it, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll actually find it. You'll find why you're here, the purpose for your life, how he wants to use your life. It's an amazing thing. And then you can have peace with God because when you're trying to find your identity just through your sexuality or you're trying to find your identity through your profession you will always find yourself lacking I love that verse Solomon wrote it Ecclesiastes God has written eternity in the hearts of man God has placed that there that you grow up in this world saying there has to be something more than life than just the here and now but as life goes on from elementary to junior high to high school you can get hardened things get cloudy and you start thinking maybe there isn't a God and maybe this is, you know, the way of life. Until you realize that your identity is found in Jesus, you're always going to be confused. Mm-hmm. The identity is, is and I, as you were talking, I'm thinking about even like my whole past life. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone is trying to find this identity in whatever their, 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 their job right. Or the industry. Or look at a high school real quick when or, you come through. It's like, oh, you know, you come off for summer break and somebody's all like in tie-dye and everything. Next time they're all mod, you know. Yeah. Next year they're yeah. all this. They're uh-huh. always trying to change. I, and then you go to the high schools now and it's the same And you're following. But you're following. Everyone's like looking. Big, but you, when you were saying like everyone's walking around like broken porcelain dolls, mm-hmm. the whole world's broken and everyone's looking at all these broken people for identity. Yeah. And, and it's a mess. I mean. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Like now we're, since I've been walking with God for like seven years, dude, I'm doing all the same things I did. I still surf. I still skate. I'm still going to concerts, all these things. But I can care less. Like your whole life when you're not walking with God, it's all about the cool crowd and all this stuff. Like I feel like I'm cool. Like I'm into cool stuff, but I'm not trying to follow nobody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. And I I hope this comes out right. I'm not trying to sound like, um, you know. I'm just trying to say that 
I just, I feel confident in who I am in Christ. Absolutely. You yeah. know, and I'm into, I just, I like skating and surfing. I'm into cool things, but I'm not trying to go out and, and put off, an, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not going to try, try and put off an image right. of Absolutely. this thing. I'm just like, I don't care. This is what I do. Like me or not, I'm not going to change the way I'm talking or the things I like to fit into your crowd. Right. Is basically Absolutely. what I'm saying. And when you're not walking with God, you can find yourself kind of changing, even if you do have your, even if you're into your own deal, but you still kind of morph into different people's deal to like be cool with different crowds. Right. Yeah. I'm so over that. Yeah, and that happens all the way through school, right? I mean, all Absolutely. the way through elementary school, right. junior high school, high school, you're always fight, you know, battling with stuff. Like, what are these people going to think if I do this? But all that changes. Now's what I was trying to say. Yeah. All that changes when you find your identity in Christ. Because you know you don't care. You know you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And God's God's got you, you know? Yeah. And And I love that too, Ryan, just because, you know, even right now, like, you know, I've been in the plus size modeling industry for the last eight years, you know, working for top companies like Charlotte Russe and Wet Seal and all these different things. And I see it even there, you know, people in the world trying to find their identity and value through their accomplishments, mm-hmm. through the people they hang out with. Exactly. Through They allow people in society to mold their identity. But even like I during that year that God healed me, he he literally because I like the whole my whole life was always like the kid that was abused and, you know, whatever. But my identity has been so rooted and grounded in Christ mm-hmm. that whether I do ministry or have a modeling job or whatever, I, I'm so deeply rooted and grounded in him because he's not a foundation that can be shaken. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. When I found the God, I was like, wait, I can't tell the people I'm, 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 I teach the Bible and, or I go speak in rehabs and all that. I can care less. Like, yeah. Because you, you, you're in tune with God. And you're like, dude, this is where God God's me. And it's insane. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I don't care if you're, you're exactly. driving a Porsche making, you know, six figures a year. I, I'm not impressed <laughs> yeah. because if, if you're not in tune with God, you're, mm-hmm. you're missing out on life. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Christian, what would you say out to the, the young girls out there that might be battling with some of the things that you've gone through in life? You know, um, you know, to a lot of the girls that might be dealing, you know, with self-harm or um, or even eating disorders, you know, I think a lot of us try to find our worth and value, you know, in boys or in our outer appearance or on how many followers we have on social media. But those longings you have deep inside of your heart to feel loved and affirmed and validated and for someone to call you beautiful, those things could only be filled with a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, there's a story in the Bible of a woman at the well and Jesus told her that if you drink of this water, you will be thirsty again. But if you drink of the water I will give you, you will never be thirsty again. And no matter how much affirmation or attention boys or your social media give you, it will never fill only what God can fill in your life. And so I would encourage you to start there because when you allow God to fill you, I guarantee that you won't hurt yourself or starve yourself like you are right now because you won't feel good enough because you will already feel more than enough in your relationship with God. Awesome. Do you have That's any awesome. last words? I think we got about a minute no, left. No, I mean, I think th- this show is very powerful. So if, if God is speaking to you, man, just let us know. Hit us up on any of the social media stuff. You can contact us all, all the time. How can people follow what you're doing right now, Christina? Um, right now, you know, we started, you know, the movement that, you know, we're doing the purity conferences with and even, you know, going to Australia and Argentina. 
If you go to www.iamroyaltyministry.com, mm-hmm. you know, we are addressing all of these issues that young women are facing today. And we are a group that is dedicated to helping those girls because when I was in high school, we didn't have resource for any of this. Mm-hmm. And so our heart is to be that answer to even just point girls in the right direction, awesome. which and, is the Lord. Yeah. And if you didn't remember that just contact info at the whosoevers.com or my website and ask for Christina and we'll forward your email directly to her Absolutely. to make it super easy. And if you're in the LA area, Orange County, we're at shine every Thursday and Sunday night. If you want to cruise out, we're telling punk rock Jesus stories. Um, just talking about how you can be set free. Thank you for being on. Thank you. It was amazing. So was we'll, awesome. we'll catch all you guys next week and we love you guys. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. And oftentimes, you know, you're chasing happiness, but you don't know that God is the best way to achieve the happiness you're looking for. And so I was trying to end my suffering by sinning, but I only ended up sinning my way into more suffering. That was Grammy winner Lecrae unpacking his testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear artists, songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.